0: Hey, welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. here. I'm your host and I'm also an author and speaker and the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood. And the Claim the Stage podcast is a podcast for women who are interested in discovering, awakening, and creating their voice through the art of public speaking. And coincidentally, that is also what we are doing in the Speaker Sisterhood, my network of public speaking clubs founded in 2016. And today we are in the midst of the Speak Up Tour 2018, which means I'm traveling around New England, giving presentations, connecting with women, and helping them to use their voice. And right now we are on Cape Cod in Massachusetts, and I'm here with Amber Ladley. Say hi, Amber. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and we are in—we are sitting in leather recliners, <laughs> <laughs> twin leather recliners right next to each other. And we're in our Airbnb, and we're really excited about this episode because it's all about showcasing the women who have come to our private dinners we've been putting on. And this was a new idea that came up during the booking of events for this tour. We thought, how cool would it be to have events in people's homes, in their living rooms, and get some women together for dinner, and to just talk about the subject of speaking up, share some tips, and get them practicing speaking. So we've done two of them now. We did one in York, Maine. We did one in Yarmouth Port, Massachusetts last night. And on today's episode, we're going to feature some of the two-minute speeches that were given in the living rooms. And I really love these events so far. They're some of my favorite I've ever done because it's, it kind of, changes the whole vibe of a party. I don't know about you, but I definitely get some social anxiety at parties. If you have more than three people at a party, I'm usually the one who's just sitting watching everyone else have a conversation. And I'm really good at giving speeches. I'm really good at one-on-one conversation, but like at events and gatherings, I'm just kind of like... Let's just listen and watch and not make a ruckus, not bring up conversation or topics. But at these dinners, it's all about talking about that that topic. Like we're actually having conversations about what it's like to show up in the world, to feel uncomfortable, to be afraid of sharing your voice. And because we have an open dialogue about it, it makes everyone more comfortable to share and to be seen and to practice that skill. So Amber, I know you you went to the dinner last night. How did you feel it went?
1: It was amazing to be there. Um, I really enjoyed uh, getting to meet such an amazing group of women, and I'm constantly amazed by the women who show up at these events because uh, they walk in and we're all strangers at the beginning and hugging at the end of the event. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I know. I felt like I knew all of those
0: women for like 10 years mm-hmm. when we left there last night. And the energy is just, it's, it's so different. It's mm-hmm. not like everyone's sort of sitting and like wondering how do I insert myself in this conversation it's more like a lot of laughter and a lot of like sharing and just open conversation so
1: yeah and a lot of head nodding like I'm doing now (laughs) yeah yeah oh I feel that way too so cool (laughs) so so far on the tour
0: we've just had the opportunity to meet so many incredible women we had an event a couple nights ago in Hyannis at a co-working space and about 60 women showed up to launch our new club there and to learn more about speaker sisterhood and it's just so cool to see the expression on their faces when they hear about what we're doing and find out how they can get involved and just realize that there's a place where they can go and feel safe and feel confident that they're going to learn something that's going to change their life and it's really an honor and a gift to be able to bring that to so many women so every time i get to do an event i just feel so lucky and it's—I feel that same way about this podcast because we get to share the message and so to so many more people around the world. And I hope that you enjoy these speeches. Is there anything else you want to share, Amber?
1: No, I'm ex- I'm excited uh, to to hear the speeches again and and um, and share them with everybody.
0: Cool. So without further ado, we have—I think maybe. 12 or 15 speeches yeah Yeah, they're all all between two and three minutes long so they're short and a lot of them gave speeches about things they love because that's what we were talking about in the little dinner event and you get to just hear a little bit of insight into their world and get to meet them and maybe it will give you some food for thought maybe it'll inspire you to give a speech so i hope you enjoy our speeches from our dinner parties on speak up tour 2018.
2: Hi, I'm Courtney Daniel and my company is C. Daniel Designs. And today I want to share a childhood story about when I first moved to Atlanta, Georgia from a small town out of Georgia. Um, I moved to this big city from a city that had like one stop sign and we left um, to move to this big city. To um, start a new adventure and to be with the rest of our family, and I left my childhood friends. This was right at the age where I, was I, I I was feeling as though I was learning myself, I was becoming um, you know able to speak and hang out and smile. Um, and the one way I was able to connect is um, writing. I used to write letters to one of my friends. And We used to write back and forth and I would be so excited about going to the mailbox each and every week to get a letter from her. Um, And, you know, it didn't talk about anything. It was like, yo, the day was beautiful. I went outside or, (laughs) you know, I I climbed the tree today. Oh, and I saw another childhood friend. But um, fast forward, I'm working at uh, a bank. Uh, in Atlanta after being there for several years and I'm um, the manager there and we're hiring this young lady not knowing I didn't recognize her name or anything because it had been years and she comes in she sees me she says Courtney and I looked and I'm like yes and who are you she says I'm Candace I'm Tawanda's sister you used to write my sister all the time I was like, "Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. I did not remember. You. I don't remember you." She's like, "Yeah. I used to remember. I remembered you because I would go to the mailbox and get the letters and then my sister <laughs> would write you back and I'll put them in the mailbox." So, I mean, that just was one of the one of the memories that I had as a child just, you know, just being a pen pal and Knowing that that comes full circle and that's one of the reasons why I like to handwrite and send out messages because it just created that lifelong memory that I didn't know that will come back to me after so many years. So um, I really enjoy being here at the uh, Speaker Sisterhood with Angela and I look forward to attending more and being a supportive member of her and I look forward to her doing great things in the community.
3: so i'm going to talk about knitting because i just decided this a few moments ago in our little thing so knitting is something i really enjoy and i really love to do I'm not very good at it i'm not very proficient at it but i've been working on one of my speeches and as angela said often we change our speech many many times and say oh i'm not going to write about this and so i just figured out I have to change my speech and <laughs> for Tuesday and write about knitting. Um, but one of the, th- you know, I'm going through the, all the process of what I enjoy about knitting, from uh, choosing the yarn and the color, to choosing the pattern, to choosing who I'm making something for. And it doesn't always go in that order. But sometimes I see a pattern first, or I have leftover yarn, or I'm with somebody who just like needs a scarf or something, and I put it together and I. Decide this yarn is going to work with that pattern for this person or whatever. And there's a lot of uh, fun in that aspect of it. But then the making of the project, it's very therapeutic and meditative. I'm not someone who can sit still very much. I'm very scoochy. So even if I'm watching a movie, I'd like to be folding laundry or doing something. So knitting is good for that. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks because then I can multitask. I can read and knit at the same time. Um, there's a lot of... It's meditative There's math, which I suck at, so it gives me opportunity to practice focusing on math. There's a lot of tearing out of things and undoing and redoing. So there's a whole lot of life metaphors with knitting um, and the things that, how the pieces come together and things don't always work out and things don't always line up and things often have to be ripped apart and redone. Um, So knitting, I love it and it loves me and it's a uh, love-hate relationship. (laughs)
4: I'm Catherine Stewart and I'm a freelance writer and director for the theatre and for film. In 2013 I was invited to sit on a programming committee for a new multidisciplinary art space in Portsmouth, New Hampshire called 3S Art Space. And I was new not only to Portsmouth, but also to America. And so I didn't know very many people and I didn't necessarily know who I was in an art, as an artist or in my profession. I'd spent about a year caring for my new father-in-law. And so I was kind of returning to my creative passion. And we had our first meeting in the building before it was fully renovated. So we were in an arts gallery space and there was a selection of new people, uh, business people, people orientated to marketing, finance, a couple of us artists. And we'd all been charged with creating a programme for this new space. It was really exciting. And across the room, a woman started introducing herself. That woman was Sarah Duclos, a choreographer, and she spoke for a really long time. (laughs) She (laughs) introduced herself, discussed being an imposter, discussed not being sure why she was in the room, but there was something about the way she talked with passion about what she did and what she wanted to do, that I realized why I was in that room. I listened to her honesty and just the reality of what it is to be an artist. So instead of being in my own head and being worried about what I was going to say or how I was going to introduce myself, I realized that the best thing I could do was listen to other people in that space. And when she eventually stopped and finally got around, it got (laughs) round to my turn, I was just happy that I was able to... Meet a kindred spirit, someone who I thought I would probably collaborate with, sometime in the future, and just someone that I enjoyed being around.
5: Oh. <laughs> I didn't do this because I have no idea what to say, and I, I've been doing this since October, and I, right now I feel like I don't have anything to say. And those of you who know me know that it's rare that I have (laughs) nothing to say. But I'm going to talk a little bit about um, what it's like to be about to turn 59 and to be looking at being a freelancer. What that's like, to have lost a job, to be laid off, and to be suddenly having to learn a whole bunch of new tricks. I was in a job where I pretty much could phone it in and my phoning it in was pretty good but after a while it was like there was no challenge there was no, no room to grow there was no place to go and the money was good so I just stayed and it was death and so being laid off as terrifying as that is has been a really good thing for me and I knew that it was a universal kick in the keister that that was the, just the, the trip saying here you go honey you're not going to do it for yourself we're going to help you we're going to help you real hard <laughs> we're gonna help you till it's bruised. <laughs> but and I and I've been through I've been through anxiety. I've been through ups and downs, and just trying new things that were absolutely terrifying and didn't work, and went back to find things that do work. And I'm finding my stride. I'm finding my stride, uh, in large part because of the speaker sisterhood that remembering that I do have a voice that I know how to say things, I know how to communicate. I'm a really good writer and I'm a really good storyteller and I'm finding the stories that I want to tell and I'm finding it liberating and even, even in this moment I don't know where I'm going to go. Part of me wants to step on a stage and do a story slam and tell, and tell stories and stand up in front of a crowd because because I'm funny and I'm smart <laughs> and I could do that I don't know what's going to happen, and I think for the first time in my life, um, I'm excited about that. So,
6: thank you. Thank you. You girl. Yeah. Hi, I'm Buffy, and I'm an alcoholic. No, and I really am an alcoholic, and, and that, that was meant to be funny, but... Um. <laughs> okay it just so happens that being an alcoholic has just made me realize what i want to be when i grow up and it it turns out i'm here i'm 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 um i came to the cape at a time where i was getting divorced and and had worked at a job for 15 years and was really established and then kind of it all went turbulent and i moved um to help my folks out they both had health issues so i i um, came down here and I thought of it as like, okay, well, I've done my thing for them now. Like, uh, I'll figure out what I want to be when I grow up. When, it, when the time comes, I'm employable. I know I have computer skills. I can do whatever I want to do. But when it came down to it, the fact that I wasn't making any money, they, they were retired. And I'm like, okay, what, what's going on now? I realized I was in a dark point in, in my life and what was missing. Well, I hadn't been to an AA meeting in a long time. So I started going. I went to four and four days um, just recently, and I heard someone speak at one of the meetings, because they're often speaker meetings, and he said something about being a licensed drug and alcohol counselor. And it's, dude, it's always been an interest of mine. Why didn't I pursue it? In the last couple months, I've been thinking, all right, am I going to go into real estate? Am I going to go into massage therapy? Am I going to go into teaching? You know, like all these balls up in the air going, you know, and I heard this speaker, and it kind of resonated with me, and I went back home, and I, um, I actually contacted a friend of mine in Greenfield, Mass, who had, who had gone through a certification program for a licensed drug and alcohol um, program and or for a counselor certificate. So I simply picked up the phone. I have five years' worth of college, but I have a horrible transcript, and I didn't do very well when I went to school. Um, but I picked up the phone, I got a copy of my transcript, and I called Cape Cod Community College, and it just so happened they offer this two-semester certification program that gets you into the LDAC. Um, so really, I mean, I've been kind of in this depression this winter, and it's through this depression that it's kind of made room for this growth to happen, that I was able to listen, willing to go to a meeting and hear what I felt like I needed to hear. And, you know, when when most people say they're they're an alcoholic, you think negative. Um, well, some people think negative connotations. It's really one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. So, thanks. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. Okay, that's that. All
7: right. So, I want everybody in this room to be positive. I want you to be positive because you can affect change. I think we're all here for a reason. And I think the reason is because probably... Most of us grew up here or wherever you grew up with a negative impression by either your dad or a male figure in your life who told you, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're too short. You're too fat. You're too tall. You're too whatever. You're too soft-spoken. I don't think you should be a teacher. I don't think you should be an electrician. I think those are dumb ideas. So, change, be positive, do what you want to do, because you're the only one who can do it. And when you do what you want to do, you feel it from your heart, and you live with it, and you live with it every day. And you can affect change, and you can be a positive person just when people meet you. And mentor. When you you want to mentor someone, you do it because you want to do it. You don't do it because you have to do it. And you help people, and every day give back, help people, be positive, and take the negativity and throw it out the window. Nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's
8: why
3: she said she'd do a speech. So she'd come by the snack table.
1: I'm Amber, and I love to craft. And <laughs>
5: I'm Amber. I'm a craftaholic. <laughs> that too. <laughs> but I not only like to craft.
1: I like to craft with materials that everybody is throwing in the garbage bin. That things that are piling up in our landfills and um, are just being discarded constantly. We, we just have so much waste in the world, and we have lots of landfills shutting down, and and uh, the. So, upcycling is using materials that would otherwise be headed for the landfill and repurposing it into something more beautiful or useful. And it's a great way to challenge our creativity because it allows us to, uh, like I say in my workshops, think outside of the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, a lot of the, um, one of my favorite parts of working with Speaker Sisterhood, besides working with Angela and Lauren and Adrian and meeting all these amazing women, is getting to run craft nights and getting to come up with fun, creative uh, projects. And one of the projects that I did recently are these teeny books, teeny tiny books, to promote Angela's new tiny book, The Secret Life of Speaking Up Prequel, 30 Tiny Speaking Adventures. And I said to her, I said, I really want to make tiny books. <laughs> and so um, so I did. And so I, uh, this is made with some food cardboard. All of these are... Handmade by Speaker Sisterhood members using uh, oh food cardboard, so cereal boxes, and then um, I love to quiz people on the binding here. So if you look at the binding, and some of you may have already, may already know, um, but the envelope. it's envelopes, yeah, yes. it's the inside yes! you got it. I can't believe you, you got, got it. That it. was the
5: fastest yes. ever. Yes.
1: We were all around the table, like, this. <gasps> yeah. So we um, we collect cereal boxes Dorian. and Dorian. security Dorian. envelopes and um, <laughs> and assemble these these tiny books. And there's one tiny speaking adventure in each of the books.
5: Oh, from the book. From, from the book. Right. Yeah. And it's the same adventure in each book, so don't get excited. It's a, in each teeny book. In each teeny book. But in the big book,
1: there's twenty nine more.
9: Right. The big it.
1: Thank you.
10: So my name is Carrie and um, I have kind of a unique little hobby that um, I think I already shared with the group. I do love to sing. And I have this little app that's called Smule. I don't know, maybe some people are familiar with it, but um, I got involved with this app maybe about a year and a half ago, and it allows me to actually sing songs, sing and record songs. Um, in duet forms with people all over the world and it is absolutely amazing it has actually changed my life when you talk about something that you love I mean earlier I talked about my son because he's the first thing that came to my mind but the other thing that I absolutely love is singing it just completely fills me with joy like um, I can't even describe and the craziest thing is that I have developed these friendships with people all over the world with that I sing with, um, and I've never met, and um, I've, become a, I've become a little bit of an addict, you know, my son is, you know, saying, oh mom, we're singing again, put that stupid app away, but, <laughs> so I'm a little difficult to live with, but it is, <laughs> it is crazy, the, um, you know, how what this has added to my life, I guess, and just, um, I mean, honestly, I, um, I've suffered with depression um, when I was, I went through a divorce about five years ago, and I had to, when I, you were talking a little bit earlier, I could really relate to some of the things you were saying, and you have to connect with yourself and who you really are, and you have to start to really, like, live your life that way, and... For me, this adding this music and this connection with other people has really changed my life, and it has really been empowering for me. So it's hard for other people to understand. I know that because unless you – people are like, you do what? You sing on that – what is that thing? What's the name of that thing again? And um, (laughs) it's just the modern technology, and it's – like for me, it's it's something I never imagined I could do. And – so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the technology. I'm hoping that someday I'll actually get to meet some of these people that I sing with. Um, it has actually allowed me to start a, a little bit of a business for myself where I've decided I wanted to sing for people in nursing homes, and uh, I've gone out and done that with um, a number of places because I'm still working part-time doing my teaching. It's hard to invest the time that I need to into You know, establishing those connections with nursing homes and getting my word out there, but I'm starting to do that more. And I have found that going into a nursing home and singing with these folks has been one of the most unbelievably gratifying experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, It's actually—I mean, mean, I—they are paying me to do it, but it's—I actually love just knowing that. you're filling a void, you're connecting with people there in the home, and you just see a person in the back of the room who was just sitting with his head down when you come in, and by the, you know, he lifts his head up, and maybe he starts to sing along with the words in the song, and it's it's like an indescribable kind of a joy, so it's kind of a, it's kind of an unexpected surprise for me at 53 that I could you know find something that I love like this and it allows me to connect with people as well and so there you go I think that's my pot that's my speech
7: <laughs> all
8: right my name is Mary Stevens and I'm an attorney in Kittery, Maine and I'm going to talk about what it's like to not be a good public speaker when you're young and that you can become a good public speaker when you're older and when i was in high school i hated to get up and and speak in front of people like it would like so many other high school high schoolers and when i was in law school uh, my first year of law school, one of our professors invited um, a graduate and alumnus in to uh, speak to us, and he was talking about how he knew he wanted to be a trial lawyer, and I thought I wanted to be a trial lawyer. So he's very successful, and he was in Philadelphia, and he said, well, I knew I wanted to be a trial lawyer because I knew I was a good writer, and I knew I was a good public speaker. And I thought, Ugh, well, I'm a decent writer, but I am not a good public speaker. Maybe I need to rethink this. And so then my second year of law school, I was in um, an internship, the Voluntary Prosecutors Program, and I was in South Boston District Court, and I had to speak before an actual real judge for the first time, and I had always heard of the... um, like your knees knocking. I've heard that, but I've never experienced it. And I was standing there before Judge Cameron in South Boston District Court, and my knees started shaking uncontrollably, like just shaking. And I was like, oh my gosh. I have never felt this sensation before. And I was so nervous. And in retrospect, it was a very like not important thing because of course they wouldn't let a brand new like law student do anything that was really important. But anyway, I got I got over it. And so over time, as I be, had, I just had to do it. I had no choice. I was in this job. I had to get up. I had to get, um, I had to speak. And then over time, you know, you have judges who would just, you know, yell at you and be mad at you for whatever you do. And so when you stand there and get yelled at by a judge time and time again, you kind of um, develop thick skin. And you're like, yeah, okay, here we go again. And you just get used to it. So I just got used to it. it was, um, like you were saying earlier about you'll never be ready, you just have to do it. So I just had to do it. But the time that I really knew that I can really do public speaking was not even in my years as a trial lawyer. But my mother was a, was a judge, and she was retiring, and they were having the bar association was having a retirement party for her in Springfield, Mass, and I had to speak on behalf of the family. So here I am, a practicing attorney, speaking at a retirement party before a bar association about my mother. So it was the most stressful thing that I could ever imagine. And there were, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people there, lots of family, and those who weren't family were lawyers, and those who weren't lawyers were judges, and politicians and everybody. And I had to get up and speak. And so, but what I realized is using humor. Like, humor was the best thing. And so, um, I got up and I spoke about her and I cracked jokes and it went off really well. So, um, and that was harder, really, than any of the trials I've done and any, anything else. So, even if you think you can't be a public speaker, just do it and you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
11: So I am a oral surgery assistant, which means I'm that place you don't want to be. I hear at least eight times a day from different patients, I hate dentists. So formerly a banker, the bank got bought, and I said, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I thought I was going to go into radiology. The woman I spoke to who was helping me figure out what I was going to do with my career said, "Well." You want to get back in the job force why don't you get into dentistry and I looked at and she said well they take x-rays so I got a certificate for it um, I had the certificate just strictly for dental assisting but part of the program was to set up internships in the different fields within dentistry my first internship was surgery and I thought oh my god I'm going into a surgery office first surgery I saw I had a stomach flip-flop I will admit and then I went oh that's really cool They offered me a job when I was done. I'm on the job trained for the surgical aspects. I've seen things you don't want to hear about, but part of the job is getting those people who don't want to be there laughing or at ease or as one of the surgeons I work for, getting them to understand, we don't do this to you. We do this for you. And that is where I would say the best part of the job is. The patient who leaves, who says, wow, that really wasn't that bad. You were right. The worst part of the part, the whole part of the worst thing was getting the shot. Once that was over, it wasn't that bad. See, I told you. Um, Not being able to talk about the job, I totally get that. If you're an RN, I'll talk with you. Nobody else wants to hear about it. Um, But you get to meet all sorts of people in all sorts of stages of life. Some of them are, you know, very sad situations where it needs to be taken care of before they go in for treatments. Others, it's, they've been through it all, and now they're here to get some teeth. <laughs> so if you can help people, and um, in a job that I do get to help people, it's a good thing, and I guess my two minutes is up, that'll quite fast. <laughs>
12: <laughs> Thanks for doing that job. <laughs> so Pilates was my religious experience when I lived in Reno for 12 years. And I'd always had, since right out of college, some athletic thing, like there was um, step aerobics, well, there was high-impact aerobics and then step aerobics, and there was just always something. And I moved to Reno, and it's a Pilates town, and that's a reformer Pilates town, which is a different kind of Pilates, not just mat Pilates, which is not as much fun. And even better, it's a contemporary Pilates era, which is the best Pilates. It is kind of euphoric to do. It's extremely hard. At the very beginning when I did my first class afterwards, everything but my eyelids was excruciatingly sore. And I wanted more. And it was just um, a challenge to get to where it wasn't it wasn't regularly sore, unless we did 60 oblique exercises on one side and on the other. But it was kind of fun to build up. And then if I ever took a vacation and missed a week, oh my God, like starting from nowhere again. But so it wasn't just getting fit and, and having it be an interesting and fun way with music and happy community with all the people who also were pretty much addicted and was there almost every day as well. But the instructors were so varied and fun and funny. So you'd be taking this class suffering but laughing heads heads off and she'd make jokes you know, wheelchairs are available or we have a vomit bucket or whatever it might be and we'd laugh <laughs> while we are killing ourselves and, and just time would fly by and you'd go oh my god we're cooling down already and I miss it terribly we moved to the Cape and I've been in search of um, contemporary reform Pilates and I am fairly convinced there isn't one here but I'm doing bar um, and so what I've been doing is going back to Reno where we've moved from and about once a quarter, and then I just sign up for, like, we're going in May, and I'm going every day while I'm there, and I'll wake up for the 7.30 a.m. class, so I can just then get the rest of the day, but it is the happiest thing, and I'm not a religious person, but this would be my spiritual experience, would be Pilates. So. <laughs> 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 Maybe you should we should
5: yeah no Yeah, we should bring contemporary Pilates to the cave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, because
8: that, obviously there's a, a mission. Medium.
9: So I was a very sick young lady when I was growing up. I missed a lot of school. This is back before there was um, rules about attendance, so you could just do your homework at home and still pass. And I had a hard time making friends because I was often not there. And I finally figured out, like around my teenage years, how to like get healthy, stay healthy, despite having parents who were chain smokers and all that other stuff. So in my 20s, I didn't get sick very much. And in my early 30s, I didn't get sick very much. And then this winter, I've been sick almost the whole winter (laughs) for the first time in years. And I kind of forgot what it was like. So a few weeks ago, I had the flu, which turned into pneumonia. And I didn't know because I hadn't been sick in so many years. I had no idea just how sick I was. So I just kept trying to go to work, trying to do all the chores, trying to do everything. And I was exhausting myself. And I had no idea. And then I got my partner sick. So she got the flu. Turns out, flu is transmissible to animals, so both of our cats got what? the flu. So we had this house that was just completely infested for a very long time, and I had to stop and really realize, we need to take care of ourselves, because the whole time we're all trying to take care of somebody else. I'm trying to clean up after our cat, I'm trying to help my partner, she's trying to help me with a fee. to remember how to do stuff like make a cup of coffee, like I couldn't even think, and we took this moment, we decided we had to take care of ourselves, we got medical help, I was able to get better again, this is the first week I've been out on anything social so thank you Laura (laughs) Um, but it made me realize that I have not been taking care of myself and I've been just taking care of others, and tonight I feel like I'm being slapped in the face by the universe that <laughs> I need to start really taking care of myself, not just for my own health, but my own mental health as yes. well. So thank you to this lovely group of ladies.
13: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. yes.
14: that was awesome,
4: right? <laughs> oh, that was scary. Um,
14: so, as a lot of you have heard, I studied in Greece this last semester, and it was pretty overwhelming. I went over there all by myself. There was no one else from my school in the program. Um, (laughs) I I didn't know what to expect. I didn't speak any Greek. I just went there, and I was like, I'm just going to get off the plane, and I saw this dog, and it was greeting its owner, and I was like, that dog speaks more Greek than me. (laughs) That's that's a sobering (laughs) realization to come to. I'm going to live in this country. And I don't know anything. And so I get there and this, it was a group of 30 people and they were all to, I've never That's been a more welcoming group of 30 people who got along and really cared what you had to say and like wanted to hang out with everybody all the time and it wasn't exclusive and it was bizarre how everybody got along so well. So within the first three days I had planned a vacation with um, a group of seven people who I'd never met. We, like, booked a flight. We were going to go to Rhodes. And so we found this Airbnb, and we landed. And we, and I'm showing this taxi driver. I I like to plan things to extensive detail. So people just figured that out. And so I was always in charge, and the one talking to the driver, or whoever we're ordering food or something. And so I'm talking to this man. I'm like, okay, this is where we're staying. And he's like, like, that's fine, but, like, we can't drive you all the way there. I'm like, What? And so he's like, we'll take you as close as we can and then I'll tell you how to get in. And I was like, okay. And so he drives us from the airport and he takes us and he <laughs> drops us off in front of this ancient castle with a giant moat sitting around it. It's not filled, but it was this ancient castle of stone. And so he's like, just go in there, walk about five minutes, turn left, and then your Airbnb is like a red door on the right. And we are like, Nine o'clock at night, we had all our bags, There's was like seven of us, and we we're like, what are we doing? <laughs> and so we like, get in, and we follow those directions, and it was totally fun, and it worked out, and oh, wow. it was the most memorable thing, I don't think I'll ever forget getting out of that taxi in pitch black, there were no street lamps, it's Greece, and <laughs> an ancient Castle, <laughs> so <laughs> we were all like, oh, We're just gonna do this, and we might die. Was <laughs> your airbnb you in the castle? Yeah, so oh my god, god. what they, would, they built basically, it's just literally from like 2000 BC, and they would just build their buildings into what was
12: left. Wow, wow, oh, wow, oh. so wild.
13: My name is Sarah Duclos, and I am a freelance choreographer and dance educator, but I am not going to talk about choreography or dance at all. What I am really passionate about is herbalism. And when I was a kid, I was a very avid reader and i read everything in the house that i possibly could backwards and forwards and my mom had two gardening books that sort of skimmed over the basics of herbalism and without any prompting from my parents i would go trotting off into the woods and i would like pick up this thing and i would smash it on my cuts and scrapes and be like ah oh, i fixed it myself like a cavewoman yeah <laughs> and i my dad would have an earache and i would say mom you know you really should take a chamomile tea bag and just like tip it into dad's ear and he'll feel a lot better. <laughs> and they're like, what is this nine-year-old like about? <laughs> um so it's it's a passion that went away for a while because I was very serious about dance in my teen years and I wanted to be a, a wanted to be a professional and that can be a very all-consuming passion. But as an adult, particularly in a country that doesn't have the greatest healthcare system in the world, I've found myself returning to gardening and returning to herbalism and feeling really empowered that nine times out of 10, if either myself or one of my family members has some sort of ailment, I can fix it by picking up something out of my garden or going into the woods and finding it. Or if I can't find that, going to one of our natural PATH stores, um, and it's just really, really easy and empowering to be able to do that and say, hey, I can take care of my personal health and I can help take care of my family's health as well. In
0: 2011, I found myself single after being in a relationship, in relationships for like 10 years. and had heard about online dating, and it was so intriguing to me. I thought, how cool. You can just sit at home and, like, people shop on the (laughs) internet. (laughs) I'm really intrigued by this idea. Does it work? So I got on OkCupid and started to send messages to guys and noticed really quickly that the guys I was messaging just wanted to message. I'd be like, let's get together. And they'd be like, tell me more about your house. And I'd be like, why? Why can't we get together? And I started to get really frustrated. It was like weeks of guys just wanting to talk about like, So do you have pets? And I'm like, can we just meet a person? Isn't that the point of this? So finally, one Saturday morning, I woke up and I said, the next guy who sends me a message, I don't even care anything. I don't care about his profile. I don't care what he looks like. I'm going to say, let's go on a date. So, it 8 o'clock Saturday morning, I go on OkCupid. Okay There's a message from a guy that says, hey, you're cute. I'm like, you're cute too. Want to get together for a coffee at 10? He's like, sure. So, we met at Panera, <laughs> we met at Panera and Chicopee right by my house. <laughs> and I got there a few minutes early. I'm always punctual. And I was waiting inside the glass doors. And I, I see a guy coming in by himself. I'm like, I guess that's him. I never even looked at his picture. Oh, my gosh. And he comes in the doors, and he just announces to the whole restaurant. He's like, I'm here! And I was like, oh no. I think that's him. And he goes, you Angela? I'm like, yes. (laughs) He's like, all right. And we go over to the counter. He goes, what do you want? He opens his pockets, and he throws down a whole wad of 20s and 100s on the counter. He's like, "What do you want? Bagels, pastries, sandwiches, soups." And I was like, "I'm just gonna get a tea." He's like, "What?" I'm like, "I, I was just, I'm just gonna get a tea." I'm like, "What do you want?" He's like, "Why? Well, I've already had five cups of coffee today." <laughs> I'm like, "What the <laughs> shit?" Why? He's like, "I woke up at five o'clock this morning. I have five businesses." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." So we sit down in the booth and we start talking. And he stops me like five. Minutes into the conversation, he goes, you know, I like you. You got all your teeth. <laughs> You've never been to jail. You have your driver's license. And you don't have any kids. I'm like, I haven't even talked about any of those things. But I guess you have noticed that. And then he goes, look, I'm taking a trip down to Florida. And I need someone to drive back with me in a yellow, a yellow Ferrari. <laughs> I'm like... Oh, okay, and he's like, I just got new tires on my like, truck in the parking lot. Do you want to see the car we drive down? I'm like, yeah, sure. So we go out to the parking lot, and I just walked right to my car and got in and <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: drove.
5: And, um, and
0: then I got off the internet. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you have it our speeches from our dinner parties. I hope you enjoyed them. If you are in the Boston area or Worcester, we have a bunch of events coming up in the next couple of weeks and you can still register for them. You can go to speakersisterhood.com slash speak up. And if you are interested in having me come speak at your company, at your organization, I do travel and would be happy to talk with you about how to do that. You can email me at Angela at speakersisterhood.com or go to the website and check out my speaker page. So that's it for now. We'll be back next week with more Tales from the Road from Speak Up Tour 2018. And as always,
2: stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.